0: So today we're going to learn a sicha from the Rebbe, a Torah talk on Parsha connected to Parsha Keitetzei. It's a uh, printed in volume 24 of the Likuti Sichos uh, published um, and edited works of the Rebbe on different uh, sections of the Torah. So today we're going to use this sicha which was a talk that the rebbe gave in 1981 on the Shabbos of parsha matos even though that's a couple of parshas ago but that year the parsha matos fell out on the 23rd of the hebrew date of tammuz and every year on the 23rd of tammuz is a is the yard site the day of the passing of one of the greatest Kabbalists, and just to give you a little background to this, this Kabbalist is—we call him the Ramak. That's the way he's well known with his acronym, the Ramak. His actual name was Rabbi Moshe Cardaviro. Some people say that the name that was that kind of became his name, the Ramak of Moshe Cordoviro. Some people say that he was born in Cordoviro in Spain and he was born in the year 1522. So a good few uh, hundred years ago, which was only a couple of years after the expelling of the Jews of Spain, the, the Spanish Inquisition. In any case, he lived there and in his later years, he managed to move to Israel and he lived in Sfat, in the northern city of Sfat in Israel. And that's where he passes away in the year of 1570. He only lives for about 48 years. That's it. And he passes away in the 23rd of Tammuz, and he's interned in Svas. Now, he give a little more background to who he was and why he was such a special uh, person. First of all, he also married the sister of the famous Rabbi Shloymeh El-Kabitz, which was the author of the Lichadodi prayer that we say on Friday nights, the Lichadodi prayer song. He was also a student of the famous Beis Yosef, the one who authored the big Shulchan Aruch, Also wrote the Kesef Mishnah, which is a famous commentary on the Rambam. He also um, was the founder of a big Kabbalistic yeshiva, one of the first Kabbalists yeshiva. From his students was famous, well known students was a very famous Kabbalist named Rabbi Chaim Vital. Rabbi Chaim Vital is actually mentioned even in the first chapter of the Tanya. He was the scribe who wrote, wrote down a lot of things from his teacher and later. He became the scribe of the next Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Moshe Kerdavira, the Ramach's uh, successor, who was the famous Arizal, Rabbi Yitzhak Luria, the famous Kabbalist the Arizal. Rabbi Chaim Vital became his uh, student who wrote down everything that the Arizal taught. He also authored many Kabbalistic books. I'm giving you this background so we'll appreciate what's going to happen here in this in this talk. He authored... Some of the most well-known um, works on the Kabbalah, including the writings of the Ratius Chachma, um, it was also one of his students. That's one of the famous books that people study uh, before they get married. He also wrote authored one of the Kabbalist books called the Pardes Rimonim, which is the Orchard of pomegranates, which is basically one of the first encyclopedias on a, on the Kabbali, Kabbalah subjects and answering, reconciling contradictions or seemingly contradictions between things that are written in the Zohar and the famous Kabbalah book called the Sefer Yitzhak. He also wrote a book called the Oryukar on the Zohar and also a well-known book called the Tomer Devorah. The dates of Dvorah, which is basically a commentary explaining the 13 attributes of mercy according to the Kabbalah. Now, when he passes away, the Arizal becomes his successor. And the Arizal only lives for two more years after the Ramak. Or no, actually, maybe he lived lived a little more than two years. But but after the Arizal became his student, sorry, after two years of being his student, the Ramak passed away. The Arizal himself, by the way, did not live much longer himself either. The Arizal, some people say, passed away at the age of 36 or 38. So these were major Kabbalists that are known. Now, at the funeral of the Ramak, who was known to be such a holy tzaddik and saint of such a great uh, Kabbalist, at his funeral, the Arizal came out and he said a eulogy about his teacher. Now what was this eulogy that he said? And this is what's relevant to us here. and That's why I mentioned that the Rebbe said this a long Sicha at the Fabringen on the on 1981 when his yard site came out on the same day of that Shabbos. And the Rebbe analyzed the Kabbalists Harizal's view on, on, on eulogy and what he said in the eulogy. So what did he say? To understand what he said, it's connected to something in today's Parsha. In Parsha Kitaitse, in chapter 21, verse 22, it says in today's Parsha, If it happens that a person did a certain kind of sin, that the courts ruled that the punishment is death penalty. We know in the Torah there are four different kinds of death penalty. In the times when you had the courts, the big Sanhedrin, they actually uh, would execute it, such punishments if it would happen. It says that it barely happened once in 70 years. But in any case, so the verse says that if it happens, if a person sins to the point where he's deemed for the death, v'humas and he's actually executed and he's killed what do you do with the body after it was killed the first thing you do is vitolisa oso al eats you sh- you hang it up you suspend it on a tree the dead body we don't kill anybody that's not from the four punishments is not hanging from a tree but you take the dead corpse And you hang it from the tree. The Talmud speaks about the rationale, why the Torah wants us to hang it. And it says you should hang it only for a few minutes. You're not allowed to leave this dead body there overnight. Just to teach a lesson that all people that see this will say, Oh, look what could happen if you do this in this sin. So it will be a deterrence. Or you'll hear about it, that this body was hung and so on. So you'll find out what happened, what the sin was and so on. Okay, so that's the, the verse itself in today's parasha. It says that you should suspend it on a tree. The Arizal came to the funeral and he said the following eulogy about his teacher, deramak. He said, like all the what Kabbalah does, is they look into words and they see deeper than what you just see on the surface the nuances of use of words and letters to Kabbalah, really, they pull out these secret information that you don't see on the surface. And he said the following. He said, when the verse says, when it is by a person a sin, of punishable, by death, what does it mean, sin? Sin means chisaron. Chisaron means lacking. When a person is lacking. Meaning, when a person is lacking the cause for the death. In other words, when a person has chet, you could say, oh, when a person has sin. No. He said, when a person is lacking, meaning what lacking? The next words of the verse. Lacking a reason to die when a person is lacking a cause to die, the lama so why should he die? In other words, if somebody is so perfect, and following every single instruction of Hashem, and does everything at the highest level of perfection, so there's no reason for such a person to die. So the lama why should such a person die? Why should a person who's a perfection person, a tzaddik, die? Said the Arizal. V'talisa oso You could suspend it. You could hang it. You could say that the reason why the person has to die is all because of the tree. What do you mean the tree? It's because of the tree of knowledge. What's the famous tree? The famous tree is the tree of knowledge. Where God, go back into the book of Genesis in Beratius, where God says to Adam, you can eat from all the trees in this garden except for this specific tree. And if you eat from this tree, you're going to die. So once that happened, and Adam ate from this tree, Right? Chava tells Adam to. She convinces him to eat from the tree. Of what convinced Chava was the snake. We're going to talk about that soon. So once death was introduced into this world, that's why such a person dies. Says so. You see what that Arizal is telling about his teacher. He's saying from today's parsha, he's learning out in this verse. The verse again. The verse says if a person sins and he's punished by death for the death sentence for the death. Then you have to hang him on the tree. So the reason learned a deeper wording on this verse. Same words. When a person is chet, meaning when a person is lacking meaning in this case, lacking nothing, lacking the reason that he should die. So why did my teacher die, the Ramak? You could say that the reason is the Talisa Aleit. you could hang the reason on the tree. Because once there's death in this world, that's why the person died. In other words, there's no other logical reason why some people die. The only reason why you die is because it was deemed so from God that people should die. Since that story. So it's all about the tree. You want to understand why death exists? Go back to the story of the tree and that's why death exists. Now, from the simple Now the Rebbe is analyzing now this eulogy. He says from the simple wordings of this eulogy is very similar to a statement that we have in the Talmud already. Written almost 2,000 years ago. Two places in the Talmud, in the tractate of Shabbos and in the tractate of Baba Basra. Two tractates. Over there, the Talmud says a fascinating statement. It says that there were several sages, several people, sorry, several people in the history of humankind that were perfect people. They did not deserve to die for their own sins. These four people died, Dalid means four people died Mesay Beetyo Shel Nachash. They died because of the advice of the snake. In other words, says the Talmud, these four people would have never died. They would have lived forever because they were perfect people. Normally a person could die because you do something wrong. So okay, on that account. But these four people, you don't even have to say, you don't have to go so far to say that they did a sin. They didn't do any sin. They died because of the advice of the snake. Who were these four people? So over there in the Talmud, it tells us who these four people were and I'll tell you what the Talmud says. One was Benjamin, the son of Jacob. One was Amram, the father of Moses. One was Yeshai, the father of David. And one was Kilab, the son of David. David had many children. His second second of his children, his name was Kilab. He was the son of Abigail. And these four people are people that there was nothing that we could find about them to find a reason that they should have died. So the only reason why they died was because of The story with the snake. Of course, if you want to check out that section in the Talmud, you could go check it out. And of course, the Talmud goes through a lengthy discussion, first of all, proving from sources that the Torah itself speaks about these people in such perfection, and that the Talmud says, well, was it Moshe, Aaron, others? Why would they? Why did they die? If they didn't, if they don't, why don't you add them to the list? There's even an opinion that says maybe there were six people. But okay, that's for the Talmud part. But what we take from here there is the wordings of the Talmud. The wording of the Talmud is that four people only died because of the story with the snake. That the snake convinced Chava to sin. Chava convinces Adam, and Adam eats it, so The same story. Now, on first glance, it looks like what the Arizal is saying is that his teacher, the Ramak, should be added to that list. There were four sages that were perfect, the Talmud tells us, the four people, four of our Jewish leaders, so it seems like he's adding also the Ramak. But when you look a little bit closer you could actually see a difference in the way the Talmud phrased the reason why those people died and the way the Arizal phrased it, the way his teacher died. The Talmud says it was all because of the advice of the snake. And how did the Arizal say it? He said it's all because of the tree. Now, on the surface, without digging deeper, it looks the same idea. Same idea. It's all because of that original story that death was brought into the world. The concept of that everybody has to die. But he says it's not so, and it's not really so here, because we're going to see by analyzing this that there is a major difference in the way the Talmud puts it. That those four died by the advice of the snake, and the Arizal is coming to say something much more novel, a bigger novelty than just that. Because if you think about it, the, the Arizal could have just said simply that there wasn't just four, there's a fifth. But he came up with this whole thing on today on the verse in today's Parsha. So he says, let's analyze what's the difference. What's the difference when the Gemara says that it was from the advice of the snake and the Arizal, who translates the verse in today's pasture, to say that you should hang the reason on the tree. He says the difference is not just in the wording, but it's in the content, of is where the difference is. When you say the advice of the snake, that means that the snake gave advice to Chava, to eat, to eat from the tree. We all know the story, by the way, right? That... The snake told to Chava, why don't you eat from the tree? And Chava said, well, I'm not allowed. God said I shouldn't eat from the tree and I shouldn't touch the tree. Now the snake knew that that wasn't true. Chava added extra words. She Nobody told her she can't touch the tree. The commandment was only not to eat from it. She added her own words. So the snake jumped at that opportunity and said, ah, oh, Chava, touch the tree. You'll see you won't die. So she touched it and she didn't die. She said, ah, you didn't die from touching it. You won't die from eating it either. So she goes and she tells her husband, let's eat from it. And ever since then, we have the famous answer when men do something wrong. You say, why did you do something wrong? My wife convinced me. That's oh, it's an old problem. We go back to that story. So when it says, the Talmud, like the Talmud's wording, it was with the advice from the snake that the snake convinced Chava, to eat from it. Eat from what? The tree of knowledge. We're talking about the actual bad deed. Taking part in the eating of this that she's not allowed. So when we say that the snake, the advice of the snake, we're talking about the actual deed of the sin. But when you say it the way that Arizal said it, he said it differently. He said, why did... Why does the Ramak die? It's because of the tree. He didn't say because of the sin. He said because of the tree. Now, the tree is not the sin. The tree is there that if somebody else does a sin with the tree, then you did something wrong. But the tree itself is not the sin. On the contrary, the tree itself actually was a tree of blessing. According to the most simple interpretation of what kind of tree was this, Rashi actually says, Rashi is the you know simple interpretation, Rashi says that it was a date tree or a fig tree. There are others' opinions that say it was an estrog tree. Others say it was a wheat tree. Others say it was a grapes. But regardless of which opinion you're going to go with, the Rashi is, is, without going deep, Rashi learns that it's Te'ena. Now that it means that it's the kind of tree that had certain kinds of fruits that Israel was blessed with these fruits. We know that Israel is blessed with the seven fruits of the land. That's one of the praises of the land of these of this kind of fruits. So the tree itself is actually a special tree. The land of Israel is praised about this tree. Even the name of the tree is called the tree of knowledge. That means there's a concept of intuition of knowledge that comes from this tree. And even the sin that could come from eating the tree of, from the tree of knowledge. How long was this prohibition not to eat from the tree? According to the Talmud, they prove That there was it was only for approximately three hours that they had this injunction that they weren't allowed to eat from this tree. That's it. It proves it from the point that he was born on a Friday, because that's the sixth day of creation. He was born after Chatzos, after Midday. He was born as an adult. He gets the commandment that he has to actually, till Shabbos, he's not allowed to eat from this tree. According to the Talmud, it was only a three-hour story till Shabbos. So the tree itself is not to be blamed for for anything. That means the Arizal, when he's talking about the, uh, the about the tree, the tree is only a cause of a cause to another thing that could come out of it. So, in other words, it's not the sin that brought the death of for his teacher or people of that kind of caliber it's the tree that gave the possibility for the concept of death so it's a, it's different when the Talmud said these four people died from the advice of the of the snake that means from the sin itself there's something which we're going to soon going to learn some kind of bad effect that happens to the environment by that sin itself but from the Arizal it's not the sin itself it's something That is in this world. That it itself. was actually a good thing. It's just that it's possible for others. To do a sin. That could come from this tree. Another way to put it is. The way the Medrash puts it. When Hashem created. The world. Hashem had intention. The first thing he had in mind. The way the Medrash puts it. Is that death should be something. That's going to be in this world. That's why from the first day of creation, the angel of death was created. So the concept of death was already resonated in the mind. But Hashem says, based on a verse in Tehillim that says, <inaudible> Hashem creates like, like, like a libel or a plot on people. In other words, He sets circumstances that is almost like a trap that humans could fall into this trap. And if you fall into that trap, you're going to get punished for it. So in other words, it's like Hashem created the tree. Even though the tree itself is good. But it's like a plot that if you can't control yourself with what I tell you what to do, you're going to come and end up touching this tree. And where did he even put this tree? He planted it in the Garden of Eden the place where everything looked very desirable and good to eat, even the tree of knowledge. So when you see it, you see now a little bit, we're starting to see two ideas of the death of certain people, but the way it's phrased of these people of perfection that you can say that they died because they did a certain sin because we don't know of any sin that they did. And we know that these people were very special. Because of different proofs that we have. So the way the Talmud puts it about those four, again, let's recap that, is because of the history that we have with the sin of the snake, meaning the sin itself is the cause. According to the Arizal, it's not the sin itself that caused it. He's saying it's the tree, it's the existence of a tree that God created in this world. It's not to be blamed on anything or anybody. It's something that at the end of the day, this is God's thing. Let's see more on this. This is now becomes clearer, the difference between the two statements. When you say death by the advice of the snake, the way the Gemara puts it, what is the Talmud? What's the difference of the Talmud and Kabbalah? Talmud is called the revealed parts of the Torah. It's all the... Revealed information. Or the way it's phrased in many places that it's called the gufa of Torah. It's like the body of the Torah. It's the parts where you see everything in the outside. Right? A human being. You have a body and you have a soul. Your body is the external part to you. Your soul is the internal part. So the body of the Torah is the Talmud. What's the soul of the Torah? Nishmasa da'araisa. The Nishama of the Torah is the hidden parts of the Torah. The parts that you don't see on the surface. So the Talmud, which is primarily the revealed parts of the Torah, is talking about what we see and know about death. What do we know? It's about the actions that led to it, the story with the sin. But when you talk about the hidden parts of the Torah, they're revealing to us a whole different thing. And it was Ariza revealed this to us regarding his teacher, this Ramasha Kardaviro. Which the whole idea of the Kabbalah is revealing the parts of the side, the secrets of the Torah, the inner parts of the Torah. And when you talk about the inner parts of the Torah, we're connecting that not with the advice of the snake, it's with the tree. It's the test that the existing of the tree existed, and that made a test. And who created this test? Hashem himself put Adam in this position that he could see a tree and Hashem with his own will created this tree so it's basically when you think about it who am I pointing to of why this death happened only to Hashem himself so when you talk about the deeper essence of of an event at the end of the day it goes back to Hashem. Because that's the inner parts of the Torah teaches us that. That's why the Arizal taught it us like that. When you comes to the Talmud part, it's coming to the law part, to the body part, the external revealed parts of things. The Gemara says, No, no, no don't, you don't have to go so far. Don't stop blaming things on Hashem. It's the actual sin. It's the actions of the humans. But when you get to the deeper parts, it's a different picture. Let's go even one step deeper. These two ideas, whether it's the advice of the snake or it's the hanging of the tree, is connected to two different kinds of tzaddikim, different kinds of tzadiks. Tzaddik, let's just collect our information on a tzaddik. A tzaddik means a person who doesn't sin and doesn't even want to sin. We learned this in great length in the Tanya. Tzaddik means you're so perfect that you're not even interested in sin. You have no desire to sin. A person who wants to sin and doesn't sin, you control yourself. You're not called a tzaddik. You're called a bainuni. That's only a mediocre kind of person. A mediocre person wants to sin. So if you ever have this desire, you should know you're a mediocre And the Bain, that's only a Bainini. If the person actually sins, actually acts on their desire, ah, that's already a Rasha. That's a lower level. If you repent, you can go up to Bainini. To come a Tzaddik, you have to be born with that special quality. So let's understand it here. There's two kinds of Tzaddikim. In the category of Tzaddik, there's two kinds of tzaddik. There are those... That the fact that they died. Remember if you're a true tzaddik. And we're not talking about. Borrowing the title tzaddik. In the essence of the person is a tzaddik. So there's one kind of tzaddik. That. Has no reason to die. They're a tzaddik. But so where do, How do they die? Why do. Like how does that happen that they should die? That's because. There was a, there was a sin done in this world, so the world now is in a different stage of a reality, and there that's how the tzaddik could die. But then we have another level of tzaddik of tzaddikim. It's another category of tzaddikim that they, even the fact that the snake gave its advice, that would not be enough to cause this tzaddik to die. The only reason how this Sada could die is because of the existence of the tree. What does that mean? So let's understand what that means. The only way this person could die because there's an existence, there was an existence of a tree that was a possibility now for Adam to sin. We're not talking about the sin, but the possibility that was created for sin. That's the reason why they died these higher level. So he says we could understand this based on what the Alter Rebbe Analyzes on this, on the story of the Talmud, where the Talmud says that four people died because of the advice of the sin, says the Altarab in his works of Er on the weekly parsha of Mishpatim over there. He says that those four tzaddikim, even though they were a hundred percent tzaddikim, they were what we call tzaddikim Gemurim, they were complete tzaddikim. The problem was that there was a little bit of residue, or in Yiddish we call it shmutz, some dirt, some impurity, that stayed around in this world from the story with the snake. Now these great tzaddikim, they were complete tzaddikim. They couldn't get that off them. They could not shrug that off. It's like this, you know, there's this something in the environment you know, a chemical or something. That no matter what you do, no matter how you wash yourself down, you can't get rid of it. It's here. And Dr. goes there even further to explain that it's like this impurity. It's almost like the sweat, you know, of the snake. That's the idea in human nature where we have the idea of haughtiness. Which is which was born, which you're born with this concept of having some kind of haughtiness, which can be used a lot of times for negativity. You could see yourself, oh, I'm Mister Perfect, I'm Mrs. Perfect, right? I, I justify, recognize my 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 weeks, my weak side, or I rest, say that I justify and say something is good because it's all about me. That also comes from this residue that was left in this world from the story of the snake that means the advice of the snake means that the sin with the tree of knowledge caused a weakness a a lacking in the tzaddik that could cause him to die in other words It's not God forbid. It's not that this residue of the snake makes the tzaddik sin, God forbid. No, we're not going to go, we're not going that far at all. Of course not. Then the person wouldn't be called a tzaddik. We're talking about that this tzaddik mastered every level of control, desire, everything. But the problem is that this disease, if you want to call it, of the snake, exists in this world and therefore it's also on this tzaddik so that's why he ends up dying now what's the advantage of the Arizal's interpretation the Arizal came and says the reason why some tzaddikim die is not even because of that residue left from the snake they're even beyond that they died only because of the tree Meaning, Rebbe analyzes that every human being, you have have your inside and you have your outside. Meaning there's the external part of you and there's the internal part of you. There's the part that everybody sees and then there's the hidden part of who you are deep inside. Okay, there are many ways that we could all measure ourselves to see if your inside and your outsides are parallel, are, are working at this, at a good level. Or sometimes in the outside, you may sound nice. In the inside, you're not so nice, right? Or in behavior, right? In the outside, you may come across nice, but not necessarily inside. So the outside and the insides are different. When there's a sin on a Jew, when a Jew does a sin, where does the sin penetrate? Where does it come on you? Where do you get, let's call it, Dirty up. Where do you get dirty when a person does a sin? Only on the outside of the Jew, because the inner soul of the person is always one hundred percent pure. As our Rebbe points out in Tanya, even while you're doing a sin, you still believe in God. You know, there's the famous Talmud that the Chassidus brings down a lot, that a robber even while he goes through that window to make a steal, he pauses a second in his heart and he says, God, please help me that I should be successful in the steal. (laughs) Why does he say that? Why does somebody, when they steal, say, God, please help me to steal? You know God doesn't want you to steal. That's because your faith in Hashem is, is only revealed in the outside. In the inside, it's hidden. So when you get scared of something, your your inside starts to pop out. It's the outside that could become weak. So the inner part of the Jew is always 100% pure. And the truth is, in the inner part of a Jew, in your innermost deepest place of your heart, you'll never really want to sin. You don't. That's why in the story with the snake, the residue left from the snake that came back from the sin, the tree of knowledge, that only affects the outside of a Jew, but not, God forbid, the inner hidden part of a Jew. And therefore, when you reveal the inner parts of your soul, that your inner parts, your pureness of your relationship of God is revealed to the point that it also affects the outside of you, then it's not even possible For the snake story to get to you. That's what that result was saying. When a person has chet. Meaning you're missing something. You're missing the reason even for death. Because you didn't do any bad. That's what he means to refer to. That you didn't even taste the reason for death. Meaning you didn't even taste the residue dirt that was left from the snake. Therefore the only way it could... It could be that you could die is because that there's a tree. Meaning that there's a possibility for something to happen to bring to death. Meaning it's only because Hashem placed this possibility that there should be a death in this world. If Hashem wouldn't have created this idea of death in this world, you would not be part of that. Nobody would be part of that. That means, he brings down in a footnote, a fascinating point, that the difference in the, in the reasons for the death, when it comes because of the snake, that means it's a negative thing. When it comes, when death comes because this is what Hashem wants, that's a positive thing. It's not be, to be blamed on anything. It's just because this is the way Hashem put it. And if I may, I want to stick in a Deitch family little story. In 1986, one of my aunts, my father had a sister, 37 years old. She had 11 children, and she had a sudden heart attack and died. Now that tragedy came only seven years after another sister, after having seven kids, Only 34 years old, was dancing at a wedding and collapsed and also passed away. And that story came 10 years after their father, at only 51 years old, passed away. So you could only imagine a little bit that my grandmother who had lost her husband several years later, one daughter with seven children, then loses another daughter with 11 children, you know, leaving 11 children, was in a complete wreck. She couldn't even move. Who should she turn to? What should she do? She was broken to absolute pieces. So she decided that she's going to pour her heart out and she's going to write it out on a piece of paper and she's going to submit it and give it to the Rebbe. Those days, at that point in 1986, was before the days on the Rebbe, just before he started to give out the weekly Sunday dollars. So it was very hard to actually meet the Rebbe in person. So she writes this whole note where she pours out her heart and you can only imagine what a, what you would write in such a kind of paper. And the Rebbe, with all of his sensitivity and his um, empathy to every person who he would meet and sometimes cry with, with the people, in many different cases, the Rebbe answered her two-line answer. And he said to her that now is not the time to ask questions on Hashem. Now is the time to help in any way possible, to sweeten as much as possible the lives of these young orphans and of the widower, meaning her son-in-law. These are the people that are hurt the most. Now the Rebbe obviously has written to many people long answers trying to give some rational explanation and sources, you know. But here, the Rebbe zooms in. At the end of the day, it's Hashem's desire that this is what should happen. And it's unfathomable for us human beings. But that's what Darizal is telling you here. That it's not even about pointing a finger to anything. It's, oh, yeah, this was a sin that once happened. It deserved this, God forbid. Who are we to say any reasons to any of this stuff? It's just because this is the eights. There was one somebody that came to the previous Rebbe after the Holocaust in 19, I believe, forty-six. And he poured out his heart that he was complaining that he went to this organization and or that organization and Truman and this president and that president, and tried to rally up people to to bomb the uh to to bomb the uh the the um the, the trains that, that were going to Auschwitz the whole thing this guy believed that he could have stopped and saved you know hundreds of thousands of jews and he was broken and complaining about everybody the previous previously ever heard every single word. And when he finally finished, the previous Jabba said to him, Look, he said, at the end of the day, who did all of this? This is all Hashem's workings. At the end of the day, it's Talisa Isa al Ha'eitz. You could put it onto the tree. Now what the Arizal is saying here and this is what the Rebbe is bringing out to us helping us, our generation to realize that if we take the inner parts of the Torah the way it's the hidden parts of our soul and we stand up higher than the reason of the advice situation of the snake because that's the whole thing of the inner parts of the Torah it's actually called Eitzachayim. It's not even Eitz the tree of knowledge, called the tree of life, which becomes even higher than the tree of knowledge, which has good and bad. Now, since the time of the Arizal, the Arizal already established that the whole myth, that we are living in times where it's a mitzvah to reveal this section of knowledge. And of course, who are we, says the Rebbe, to mix into those high lofty levels of of for like from the Arizal to say that we are even connected in a remote way to the level of holiness of these people of the Ramak and the Arizal nevertheless the fact that we know about this means that we have a connection to it even in some way and the like the author ever says in Tanya regarding Moshe Rabbeinu that the fact that we have anything knowledge that we know about Moshe Rabbeinu that's because we have something of, of, of a spark of our faithful shepherd Moshe in us and in our generation. And therefore, on the contrary, the idea of death because of the sin of the snake and we have no other sin, meaning that we have no other way to take off this residue of the snake. That's only possible when the area of the residue of the snake could affect a person which is only on your outside of you. But since he cannot affect the inside, the purity of a Jew is always 100% pure. A person only sins on your external behavior. Your inner soul is 100% pure. And we have even proof of this in Jewish law. We have that if a Beth Din would appoint a person and say you have to bring a certain sacrifice. And the person says no I'm not bringing it. And they take the person, they force him to do it. And the person, they force him to say, I want to do it. The fact that he says, I want to do it, it's as if he did it. It, it, It's his his mitzvah. He brings the source from the Rambamah and the laws of divorce. You know the story with the divorce? That on divorce it says that a person has to give a divorce, divorce willingly you have to give a get. What if a person says, I don't want to give my wife a get. I want to torture, let her suffer. I don't want her to ever get remarried. Let her be a, a naguna. I'm not giving her a get to let her see what it's like to, you know, start up with me. You know, and you have stories like that. The courts are allowed to force the guy. They take out a bat and they could put him to the corner and they could tell him, hey, you don't have a choice. We're going to beat the who knows what out of you. And if you put him in the corner and you start to beat him and he says, OK, 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 I want to give it. I'll give it. I'll give it. I want to give it. As soon as he says those words I need writes I want to. It's done. It says it's it's counted. And the question is, what do you mean? You forced him to say those words. I want to. He told you a minute before and a minute after he doesn't want to do it. Why do you accept it if he says those words? Says the Rambam. You know why? Because every Jew deep inside wants to do what Hashem wants them to do. It's just the evil inclination. The Itzahara comes and tries to talk you into doing the wrong thing. Let me torture that person. Let me. You know, make big problems. That's your horror talking. That's not you. So if you ever hear a person that tells you, I don't want to do this, or I want to do the sin, don't believe them. Don't believe them because that's not their true essence. That's for some external reason that they express themselves like that. You don't even have to hear it. And therefore, when the Arizal says that it's a mitzvah in our times now to reveal this part of, of wisdom, it's because it's our opportunity now to reveal the hidden parts of the Torah, that it should reveal the hidden parts of our soul, so that it should overflow you all over you. It should overflow to your external part, that your external part should start to cooperate in the same way. To the point where it, it affects your soul, your mind, all the levels of your Chabad, your chachma, Bin Adas, all that part. Now when you take the wellsprings, the hidden parts of the Torah of your soul, and you bring it out into the outside, then you're going to come to a level where it's not even possible to sin. Because if you reveal this piece of a person, then externally is also not going to want to do it because that your, your inner true thing comes out. So what's the lesson takeaway from this? says the Rebbe like this. The lesson is, we know, we know the story with the Baal Shem Tov when he met Mashiach and he asked Mashiach when he's coming and Mashiach said when you're going to spread the wellsprings to the outside. So the lesson he says is like this. Take the wellspring that spread it to the outside. Let the entire world be affected by the deeper parts, the wellsprings meaning, meaning the, the hidden parts of the Torah. So it should affect also their outsides. And through this, through learning the hidden parts of the Torah, the inner parts of the Torah, even though in order to learn, you have to translate sometimes the Torah into all different kinds of languages. As I mentioned that in 1992, the Rebbe said that we're so close to Mashiach because the Tanya was already printed even in Braille. So even people that unfortunately can't even see have access to the hidden parts of the Torah. So we have to take this and that will transform the situations that we live in. And through this kind of way, we will be able to nullify the whole concept of sin, of the tree of knowledge, all that stuff. And it will be, and as we know, the only reason why we're in exile is because of our sins. We say it in Mosav, right? And automatically, it will, once you take away the reason why we're in exile, because there's no more sin, automatically, we merit, automatic. You don't have to do anything. It's an automatic, smooth transition into the ultimate, complete redemption with Mashiach. And may this be now already, now in our times now.